Hello and welcome once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows. One of the shows that we have up on air, online, seven days a week, here at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. If you get there, and when you get there, you will, of course, notice that uh, there are two links on that homepage. That's where you go. That's a homepage. Uh, the first takes you to our podcast feed. Uh, there's a very good chance that that's what you uh, did or, or have set up somewhere in some internet-abled device that allowed you uh, to get to the show that you're listening to right now. The second link is what we call our radio loop, and that gives you the opportunity to experience us in a kind of analogish sort of way. Uh, kind of the way you would expect, um, you know, if, if you were to simply flick on your radio dial uh, in 19, oh, I don't know. Uh, it could be anywhere from the 1930, well, no, the 30s, the tubes would have had to have warmed up first. So from the period of transistor radios, uh, hmm. When would that be? I guess sometime in the late 50s, early 60s, when transistors first became fairly commonplace. It was actually, it was, it was the 60s by the time they were commonplace. And you'd turn on the dial and the, and the, uh, the radio would automatically click in. Um, if, if you were listening with a non, well, even with an electric uh, source, you had to, you had to, uh, you would have had to wait for tubes before then. And you simply pick up the show wherever it is. And hopefully it entices you. You're, you are <clears throat> gripped by that moment's uh, statements to listen longer, hang around, and uh, become part of the show. Share your, share your mind with us. Allow your thoughts to drift along with us. And consider what we have to say. Ultimately, uh, kicking back and thinking about all of it with a little jazz, but that, but that comes later. Uh, what also comes later today, it being Friday, is David Bach, and he'll be with us in our second segment, as always. Thank goodness for that. It, it's fascinating to watch this episode, this, this current episode of the uh, what seemingly never-ending Donald melodrama play out. Simply because we finally reached the point here in season six, what we call it, I suppose, in season six of The Donald Show, we are at the point where everyone, everyone watching, except for, you know, small children who believe in Santa Claus, perhaps, uh, understands that the guy is playing with less than a full deck. In fact, he doesn't have a deck. In fact, he has no pieces left. In fact, he's lost the game, but he's still playing it, imagining that if he can get enough people to believe he has pieces to play with, that he still has moves, that he still has some capacity to negotiate and manipulate and to maneuver he will, in fact, be in the game. But he's out of the game. 
Donald Trump has got zero in this game. In the game, if the game, if this particular episode of the game is dealing with what was at Mar-a-Lago, dealing with the documentation in the 12 boxes that were taken last Monday or Tuesday now, I forget when it was, um, he's got zero. And, and, and the way you know this is, well, it's, it's rather fascinating. This has been a study in the entire the, the Mar-a-Lago episode has been a, a, a microcosm of how Trump world deals with misinformation dissemination. And, and it's, you know, and I, we've said this before over in, in, in during the first six years, the first six seasons of the Trump show. But we've gotten to a point where we've seen it so many times and where we're looking at it from a high enough perspective that all the pieces just can't help but come together. You can't help but understand exactly how this game is being played, especially when it's obvious that it's being played with no pieces, no capacity to move on the board. <clears throat> it's all perception. It's all, everything, the, the legalities, everything is nothing but dealt with as a public relations issue for momentary solution. That's all this is, and it's all Donald Trump has ever done. And I'll explain. From the time of the raid forward, the Justice Department, Merrick Garland, and the FBI basically have performed according to their standards in cases of this sort. This, this has been a study in the even-handed distribution of or projection of power on the part of the DOJ, the, the even-handed treatment to all Americans, whether or not you were undeservedly the president of the United States for a period of time. And what they did was they went down and they got materials, 12 boxes worth of, it winds up, that essentially they had not been given when they were told uh, earlier in the year that uh, they would be given everything that Trump had down there. Well, they figured out, and it wasn't hard to figure out, the National Archives didn't have too hard a time realizing, I gather at this point, that they did not get the material they needed. And there were a series of meetings with Trump lawyers, and uh, Trump was there at some point himself, and people went back and forth, and there was a request, and then there was essentially a, uh, there was a, uh, a, a I, I gather, there was a, um, there was a formal request made for additional documentation. Then there was a, a, a subpoena issued for that same documentation, and none of that was ever responded to in an appropriate manner, in a manner that reflected what the National Archives and thus the DOJ already knew was sitting there in Mar-a-Lago, was sitting there illegal, sitting there dangerously, national security type material, and the DOJ 
with Merrick Garland's blessing, and he, he got on air to, to tell that story yesterday, very briefly, maybe five minutes, uh, and it was, I, for, for Merrick Garland, I believe that was probably unprecedented, but, but we'll get to that in a moment. And, he, and essentially, the only option left to the DOJ, A, knowing the sensitivity of these documents, B, realizing that, the Trump admitted, that Trump and his people were going to do nothing. He was going to hold them. He was going to just lie and hold on to this stuff. The only option left was to take them. The term is used, uh, the term uses a raid. Well, no one kicked down the doors of Mar-a-Lago. Uh, there was a call made to the Secret Service detail that remains with Donald Trump, and there is a uh, and there is a presidential, post-presidential Secret Service detail that every president gets. The Secret Service was called. They brought the FBI onto the property. Were there while the search was taking place? Were there? His attorney, his his attorney was there while the search was taking place. No one broke anything down. Uh, Everybody states, whatever we're hearing, is that there was total cooperation in the process. Took several hours, and the FBI leaves with 12 boxes of materials, as is the FBI uh, Justice Department process. No statement was made in advance, and no statement was after, offered afterwards. Why would that be? Because the effort to preserve the rights of the defendant, who was presume, uh, presumed to be an innocent, include not publicizing and not playing off of the knowledge that there has been a seizure of materials. No, Donald Trump made public the fact, Donald Trump alone made public the fact that there had been a raid on Mar-a-Lago. No one else. He opened the Pandora's box of information. Why would Donald do that? Easy, because it was the one way in which he could get control of the narrative and do what? Do get his base that has had fewer than, it's a smaller and smaller base, and it hasn't quite been as energized, perhaps, as he'd like. But here's an opportunity. And, and, and Donald, again, you deal with every legal issues are dealt with as public relations uh, challenges, and they're always dealt with in the most immediate, most uh, in, in the shortest frame of time. How do I win the, the cycle today? How do I deal with today's news cycle? You understand that, you understand how Donald Trump basically functions generally in terms of, 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 of speaking and public relations. It's today, 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 and if, and if, and if, if, if winning today simply means putting it off till tomorrow, then I've won today. In other words, <coughs> excuse me, if I have not been, if, 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 my, if my end game for today 
is to simply move the, the this ball, kick this can down the road till tomorrow, and then and, and and by doing so, not give you the ability to say that we have won if the other side needs to say I won, or here's the here's what we were after. No, if Donald can kick it down the road and leave the issue opened unresolved, give him room to kind of throw more information out there. That is a public relations win for today. It doesn't matter what might happen down the road. You'll deal with down the road when down the road comes up. Now, that might be the stupidest of legal strategies, but it's how Donald works. Because when you kick the can down the road, you give the lawyers something else to chase after. You always make sure that there are lawyers involved in this. And that it winds up in a lawyer-to-lawyer -lawyer decision situation and allows for room for negotiation, room for some kind of settlement if that's the case, or you simply wear down the other side. And by kicking anything down the road, you put it in the position to potentially be floating down the road indefinitely. In the case of Donald, the last six seasons of Donald, there are so many cans that are being kicked down the road or were being kicked down the road at the same moment that you couldn't basically keep up with it. From a public relations perspective, it was basically Donald throwing something new at everybody every day, several times a day. And you just couldn't keep up with it. The, the, the January 6th committee hearings basically are, are, are a testament to that as well. I, I, I divert into that for a moment. We're hearing so much of what we had already heard in media, much of what anyone listening who has paid some attention over the last two years or so was hearing and has been hearing and will continue to hear, I gather, with the January 6th committee, is material that's been out there. But there's been so much, and I'm, I'm talking about damning material about Trump and his allies, but there's been so much of it and it's thrown at us so quickly that you are unable to absorb it all. It becomes, it becomes recategorized as more Donald cans being kicked down the road. And, and because there are so many other cans, the appropriate reaction, the appropriate vitriol, the appropriate legal reaction, the appropriate criminality or criminalization of things never seems to congeal because other stuff gets in the way. It's, it's an amazing strategy. And it's only a strategy that can be pulled off if you're sitting in the office of the President of the United States. You know you can't be, uh, you, the, the, the Justice Department, simply by precedent, not by law, but by precedent, does not uh, indict a sitting president. So the president, this one, knowing that, uses this, since he has absolutely not, a, not doesn't give a damn about precedent or ethics or morality, it is what's convenient, what will work to help me win today's public relations battle. Everything is today's public relations battle. Keep that in mind. Now, since he wound up in Mar-a-Lago, 
you, you I, I think most people can appreciate. There's less for Donald to throw out there on a daily basis. But he, of course, wants to, you know, preserve his options. And apparently, by taking all of this classified documentation with him, I, I have to, and again, this is an assumption, basically is preserving his ability in his mind to have some negotiating uh, position with uh, whomever. Maybe it's the government. We want our stuff back. Well, okay, I've got this here. So, so, so don't mess with me. Or, or perhaps it's for something he needs from some government, from some country. Hi, I want another. I want another couple of towers with my name on it, and I want to make this much money for it as well. Uh, here's what I have uh, that you might be interested in. Why else would you be holding? classified documentation that is by definition and already this much we know so highly sensitive that it would that it could really harm the country why else would you have this why would you be in violation of the presidential records act why would you why would you be fighting the national archives why would you so haphazardly store this stuff on top of all that you know, wherever they were storing, it was not it was not at the level of storage security, certainly, that stuff of this sort would have, if it were in its proper place of storage within the National Archives, even when it was within the White House. Why was this stuff never signed out? Why was there never a chain of custody uh, statement made for this material? How was it that Donald got all this stuff in the first place? All of this, all of this will be somehow dealt with as time goes on. But, but getting back to what I said earlier, there is nothing in this game. Donald doesn't have any pieces. What he had was the ability to get out front on the story and say, this is another witch hunt. The FBI is attacking me. And that led to an unprecedented event I, as far as I could see, and certainly from a, from a Merrick Garland perspective, unprecedented, a, a five-minute appearance by Mer Merrick Garland somewhere around 3.30 yesterday afternoon, Thursday afternoon, and he, and he simply said, uh, here are the rules by which the uh, Justice Department plays. Uh, you know, we, 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 uh, we, we basically give the benefit of the doubt to everybody, but we have to do what we have to do and we have to do it. It, was, it, it seemed rather textbook bookish, unless you really listened to what he was saying. And, and ultimately what he was saying was, we've tried to do this correctly. It was the, we, we did not get what we wanted, but we got it the way we had to get it because what we did was deserving of it. I signed off on this. And I have the highest respect for my people and for the people of the FBI, and I cannot idly sit by when they are maligned. Now, it would almost sound, if you, if you listened with one ear, and Americans tend to do that, what he said almost sounded, well, ho-hummish, but it was precisely the ho-hummishness of it that was the message, you see. The message basically was this is procedure as it would be for any other American. 
We are following rules. And then he added, he added the zinger. The zinger was, well, since we would not normally release this information, but the former president has made a statement that this took place. And in the interest of openness, we are requesting the Southern District of Florida under Judge Reinhardt, same judge who signed the initial order. We are making, we are basically motioning, we are making a, we're petitioning uh, the, the Southern District of Florida to unseal the warrant and the inventory. Now the warrant basically is a fairly detailed document that gives the basis for the raid, the legal basis for the raid. And it, it's not as detailed as the affidavit that would accompany the warrant that really gets into fine, the fine points of what is there, what exactly we want, why this is dangerous. No, the affidavit will at least, the warrant will at least give you the legal foundation for doing this. It will suggest, it will well, more than suggest, it'll stipulate what the basis would be for a criminal charge, for example. In other words, this is essentially what would, this, this is the level of, of difficulty this, this defendant, not a defendant, but that this individual is putting us through. This is what they've done wrong. This is what they're in violation of by holding on to this material. And if you simply figure out what the law is and what the violation is, you can infer quite readily if this were pursued as a trial, in a, in a criminal trial, this is the criminal exposure. And read the, read the sentencing guidelines and figure out what kind of danger Donald and others around him would be in for holding on to this information. You could glean all this from the warrant, okay, that, that went with this. And then there is an inventory, which by federal law must be left behind by the agents, once they've left, of what they've taken. In other, in other words, hey, uh, you know, we, 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 we took stuff from you but we can't lie about what we took out. Now, the level of detail in that inventory, how and how much time an agent would have to, to put this together in a way that is fully revealing of what was taken down to uh, inferences of, of criminality based on how classified a document was. I have questions as to how that'll work out. But it's the warrant that I'm very, very interested in seeing. The Justice Department has taken the step of unsealing the warrant. Now, now in our system, as a rule, all documentation used within the, ju the legal system, within, within the judiciary, within all of the court systems, all documentation is presumed to be, uh, or, or, or at, at every effort is made to make everything that is involved in our, especially in our criminal justice system, public knowledge. We're not supposed to be running a, 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 
sub rosa criminal judicial system that no one knows about. The documentation is all secret. Yes, there are things that are secret. Many things that Donald Trump would be involved with, I have no doubt, will be secret. And it will remain secret even once these documents are unsealed and if they're depending on the level at, to which their contents are made public. But basically, the idea is not to make this stuff secret. That's the idea. Trump, by basically saying that he had been raided, gave the FBI the ability to take the next step and say, we're going to, uh, yes, fine, we want to unseal these. This, this happens all the time, by the way. This is nothing new. Documents, that, you know, warrants, and, warrants and, and, and inventories from raids are made public almost routinely. But Donald, basically, who's had the warrant, who's had the inventory, who's had the affidavit, his attorneys have had the affidavit, they could very well make them public themselves. Donald could have made this public himself. He could have done that before his people began blaming the FBI for witch hunting and, and basically uh, harassing him and making him the most beleaguered uh, ex-president or anything in American history. He could, have, uh, he, he, he could have done it before some looney tune out in the Midwest, basically, who it also winds up had been uh, at the Capitol during the January 6th uh, uh, invasion, uh, got himself killed after he tried shooting a nail gun into a local FBI office, had a standoff with the FBI agents, ultimately got himself killed. He could have done this before uh, online media sources, before all the social media sources that are basically crazy hangouts uh, for, uh, you know, for anti-Semites and, and white nationalists began posting the fact that there was going to have to be now, there has to be a civil war because the FBI basically is taking over everything and they're after our president or whatever the hell. He could have released this inventory of material and the warrant supporting it at any time in the last four or five days while all hell was breaking loose. It is a perfect analogy in my mind to what he did for the 187 minutes during which the Capitol was being raided, during which he did not call for any additional police, during which he did not call for the National Guard, during which he did not tell people to stop, during which he essentially watched TV on Fox and watched the whole thing play out, with constant requests being made from the people around him to do something about it. No, there is public relations value to getting out your own narrative or putting out no narrative, letting the narrative play out, but, but getting the information upper hand is all that matters to this guy. And who is harmed is absolutely irrelevant. It is, in my mind, again, in my mind, a perfect analogy to January 6th, the different, in, in one case, action, in the other case, inaction. Well, the action for January 6th had taken place at the, at the Ellipse rally, at the, at the, uh, at the, at the uh, speech that he gave and that others gave prior to the event. Now we're going to the Capitol, we're going to raid the, no, let's go down there, we've got to go down there, blah, 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 I'll be with you, and of course he's not. 
That's exactly how the guy operates. And we, the, of course, January 6th was an insurrection fomented by Donald. Well, he'll, he'll pay a price for that in, in some way, obviously. But here, it's an effort to do nothing once the government has made some kind of move. Once, 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 the, once the battle has been engaged to avoid doing anything that will remove the option of putting out a narrative that makes our side, his side, the beleaguered side, the side that's being wronged. And it's cost at least, from what we know, at least one person, it's cost one person their life so far. But it, and it's caused uh, untold amounts of anger and vitriol being built up, people threatening FBI agents all over the country. You're, it's God, you know, this is, this is the other America, and, and it's hard to gauge often from where any of us sit, unless you're in the middle of it, just how much it's bubbling and fomenting and where it might go and what it might do at any given moment. I'm sure that our intelligence sources in this country are perpetually, these days, made aware of and constantly looking at all this. And, and they shouldn't have to be, but Donald is going out of his way to make sure this happens. Now, of course, does Donald ever say, go out and attack the FBI? No, 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 no. That, 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 that's, that's not he, how he works. He says, we, we, I and we are the object of unfairness, and we have a huge grievance, and it's ongoing, and this has got to stop, and they're after me, and this is absolutely insane, and there's just no basis for this. This is hard. It, they're ruining our country. <coughs> they're ruining America. It is, uh, again, that it's, he Carl roves the thing. He swift boats the story, and then leaves it to others to actually actualize, to action, action infuse the process. It, it, it would be, and I, I haven't seen this, maybe, maybe someone has done this already, someone in the media has done this, but I would love to see a study of Donald, take this event, take, take, take January 6th, take this event, and do a really detailed, and there's so many others, do a detailed study from the point of the, of the underlying circumstance, you know, the, 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 the need to overthrow the election, therefore we have to stop Mike Pence from blah, 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 or we, we refuse to release this documentation, therefore blah, 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 blah. Start with that. Then go to the first statements from Donald Trump and carefully trace the lines, carefully trace out the process that leads from Donald's big mouth to the first illegal or, or criminal acts that follow. Follow it through the social media sources. Follow it through to people on the ground. Follow it through 
if you can, to people are in the Trump orbit. Find who moves this message. When you get into the social media thing, don't stop there. Go into Fox, go into all the different people in Trump world and watch how the echo chamber builds up and basically track this in a way that, that shows it's a repeated process. I, again, I, it, I'm sure this is how I, I I'm sure I, I it has to be. It works too well. It happens too repeatedly. But there is a process. It's not written down. It, who knows? It may be. But there's a way in which this stuff gets from an illegal act or a totally inappropriate act on the part of Donald to the point where there are people willing or are shooting guns. To the point where there's where there where there is violence, from Donald's from Donald's paranoia, from Donald's need to control the narrative because he's done something bad, to the point where violence winds up taking place. This this is a a very trackable thing, and it should be tracked. I don't have the wherewithal to do this. There are many institutions that do. It would make for a phenomenal study to put this out there and to show, let's say maybe take three or four separate events and show exactly how they pass through the different processes and the different people and the different resources that are available and how it ends up always with someone else doing violence or someone else doing some really bad stuff in the name of Donald, in the name of the country going down, but find the point at which Donald kind of, he's he, where the mob boss basically steps away and allows the process to play out. The point of plausible deniability, if you will, for Donald. The, the, the courts have already ruled that that plausible deniability doesn't exist anymore. The fact that you can't, you know, you can never get the mob boss's name. No, there, there, there are patterns of behavior that basically will lead you back. This, this, is, this is what a RICO conspiracy uh, trials are all about. Uh, basically find, finding a conspiracy situation with the boss at the top and knowing that it will lead to a certain event. Donald has done this so many times. And now that he's doing it, it basically in exile with less and less in the way of resources around him, it's all the easier to track this. And we should be because this is the nature of the guy. Now, what's coming of this, invariably, once, once Merrick Garland releases, well, if, assuming the Southern District of Florida under Judge Reinhold, by three o'clock this afternoon, he, he gave, what Garland and the DOJ did was very, very smart. They gave Trump's attorneys the opportunity in their motion to basically respond and please offer any information you may have that would keep any of this 
secret. If you if you really believe there is a confidentiality issue or an issue that would basically make it inappropriate for your client, for Donald, uh, to uh, that that the very existence of this stuff to denies or defies a certain amount of privacy, du duly duly asserted privacy. In other words, we're dealing with documentation that's really, it really is his. It is really private to him. He really has a right to have this. If you have any of that, says or infers the, 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 uh, the, the motion that was, that was uh, left with the Southern, with Southern District of Florida by the, just, by the Justice Department, please get here and do it and, and, and tell us. We, we want to know. And we're asking the court to basically deal with this. And the court turns around and says, yeah, that's reasonable. Uh, Mr. Trump, through his attorneys, you have until 3 p.m. today to basically lodge any objections to the full content of both the warrant and the inventory being put. Not the affidavit. The affidavit goes would go into very, very fine detail. The affidavit is what ultimately uh, moved the court to basically say, yes, the warrant should be issued. And the warrant includes the legal basis for the raid, which, as we said earlier, would it, it, at a minimum infer what the legal exposure would be for a Donald Trump under these circumstances. So you're not going to see the affidavit. But the inventory that would show up from, uh, from, the, 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 from the raid, from the 12 boxes, if Donald doesn't want something to be spoken about, if he, if he feels that there's something that's very, very personal that it shouldn't be there, well, let us know, says the DOJ. Now, if Donald were to do that, of course, he raises the inference that he's holding on to something that he shouldn't be holding on to. So, 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 so we know that that's the case to begin with. Otherwise, this wouldn't have happened in the first place. But, but for the sake of the Donald audience, the way this is playing out, essentially, now Donald is saying, now in order to try to regain the, um, to, to regain the narrative, ah, go ahead. Release it all, said Donald in a, in, a, in a statement that he put out last night. Release it all. I don't care. In fact, you should have... You, Donald, you could have released it any time from last Monday. Why didn't you release all that? No, 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 go ahead, release it all. And he adds in this... It's not a tweet, obviously. He's off of Twitter, whatever the hell his platform is called. Um, he adds... They lie, they cheat, they, they, they lie. They, they, he manages to say, he's, try, he's inferring, if you read the whole, uh, whatever he calls his, you know, his, his email, his statement, his blog, I'm, I'm not sure. He is laying the foundation for a claim that the information in the affidavit, not the affidavit, the information in the inventory and by implication, the, the, the basis of the warrant will be fictitious and created by the government. Now, that's crazy from a legal perspective because you know that the government can prove what 
was taken any time it wants to prove that simply by saying, here's what we have. But he's hoping to once again make it a his word versus the government's word situation. He will attempt, it's, it seems pretty obvious, he will attempt to say the government has even lied about what it has taken from me. They have invented a whole series. It's hoax. It's a hoax what they say they have taken. And they'll throw it back to the government and virtually dare the government to get more detailed in what basically was done. Now, the insanity of that, of a former president accusing the FBI and the DOJ of lying about what they've taken from him. He's already laid the predicate for it. If you read this, this statement that he made, this is where he's going to... He has nowhere else to go. But the unlikely... the the, the the improbability of the FBI lying, of a judge reviewing all this and saying it's a lie, the absurdity of an inventory being left behind and the, def and the, and the object of the warrant having this inventory for days and not saying a word about the fact that the inventory did not comport with reality, the silence coming from Donald on this. Donald who can't shut his mouth over anything. Donald whose attorneys can't shut their mouths over anything. The fact that all of a sudden now Donald is going to try to go in the other direction, recapture the narrative and say it was all a bunch of lies or there were significant lies in the documentation left beyond, behind. It, 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 it so stretches the boundaries of any rationality that the only people that will be able to buy into it with a straight face are those who are basically don't have enough of a mind to understand the absurdity of the position. And that means that anyone on the fringes of Trump world sort of begins to bleed off a little bit again. It means that whatever independents are left looking at him and saying, here's a guy that I still would think about having again as president of the United States, that group begins to bleed away. The Democrats and, and liberals and, and everybody under the big progressive tent, if you will, just get re-energized and are being re-energized by this process, watching this guy basically just dangling on a hook and just flapping about on a hook, being held up. The world watches this guy. People w looking around at him, people who maybe were thinking of doing business with him for the documentation or the information and documentation that he was going to pass on to them, they're looking at him. He can't be... He, he, is, he is an untrustworthy player under any circumstance, no matter how nefarious the intent, no matter how nefarious the intent of the people he would do business with. He is an untrustworthy, an incompetent player, not playing, again, not listening to anybody, not dealing with anyone, and he's, he's basically played this one out in a way that it's out there for everyone to see. There's no way not to understand what this guy has done this time around. He's totally exposed on this, and yet what he's going to do is now attempt to say the FBI and the DOJ created false documentation 
Even though they left me an inventory, which I could have, I could have claimed it was a false inventory. I could have claimed this days ago. Here, here's the inventory list. Nope, nope. Now, oh, I just noticed uh, there, there's some stuff that they shouldn't have taken. Are you going to tell us about it, Donald? Are you going to detail what the uh, secret documentation was that they didn't take or did take from you? How, how are you going to deal with this? How much deeper do you want to get into this process? How much more exposure can you tolerate? How many more laws can you break? It, 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 it seems it's pathetic, but it's also, it's also so embedded in a process by now. You're not going to change, I know, I know, the, 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 the deepest and reddest of Trumpian types. No, no, no one's going to be uh, changed at this point. Because if you're still with him at this point, you're, I'm, forgive me, you're hopeless. You, you basically are just, you're dug in and you are so invested in the whole grievance notion that fact is meaningless at this point. Facts don't mean a damn thing to you. It's a totally emotional response. You'll reach into your pocket and give this son of a bitch money, which is all it really comes down to in the end anyway. And he'll, in his mind, live to fight another day and have the next public relations battle down the road again. And down the road is becoming a shorter and shorter road. That's the whole thing. He's got a Georgia indictment coming up. That's going to happen. He will be indicted eventually for his actions relative to uh, September, uh, to January 6th. He should be indicted for at least 10 counts that were outlined and utterly and completely misstated by then Attorney General William Barr uh, as a result of the Mueller report. The man, the man has more criminality floating around him than anyone, almost anyone in the country. I mean, he's, he's, he's taken his position as president and, and everything that it allows him to do that's nasty and criminal, he does. Anything that could benefit him, he, he's out there doing it and doing it basically in the open. But it's kicking so many cans down the street. There are fewer and fewer new cans to kick. And the sound of the can clunking along is becoming that much more distinct. And Merrick Garland has chosen a rather, a rather straightforward can to work with here. Holding major secrets of the United States hostage. It's the only other way to put, the only way to put it because I don't feel like giving them back to you. Well, why don't you? Well, because I don't. Well, what, 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 what's the reasonable inference? Well, because I can use them. If you can't use them, would you give them back? Well, yeah, I guess. But, but why, 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 how would you use them? None of your business. Well, give them back. No. Well, let's, oh, I'll give you, here's, here's, here's everything, 15 boxes. Well, wait a minute, there's a whole bunch more. Well, well let's just, why? What, what, what would any rational human being conclude about that sort of behavior? Yeah, of course. Now, where that all winds up going and how fast it goes there, 
is anyone's guess in terms of if there's criminality that's charged as a result of this. But Merrick Garland ha has really gotten Trump. He, he, he's shown the rational world what the game board is like and that Trump is playing with no pieces. The only piece he has, the only board, the only, the only thing is all coming out of his mouth. He, there, he's not even in the game. The game is entirely one-sided. It's Donald's commentary of the game that's being presented to his people. It is a false commentary. It is a blatant lie for the most part. And it's how much further that commentary can be, be, be utilized, how, how much longer it can metastasize into violence, how much violence will be tolerated before people begin to just hear the sound of the can kicking down the road. And the moment they hear that can, it's, the reaction is, oh, a Donald game because he can't play the real one. We've got David Bach coming up in just a moment. This would be a nice time, don't you think, to, to think about what we've just <laughs> talked about with a little jazz.
This is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to center-left radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Think of it this way. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can on a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, $5, $10, $1,000, whatever you can contribute to make center-left radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident. And as we seek to hold the House Democrats accountable for the promises they made to the American people during the last election. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Central F Radio, thank you. You're listening to Center Left Radio at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. It is Friday, and that means the next words I get to say are predictable and uh, should be somewhat familiar. David, what's on your mind? Well, there's a lot going on, and a lot is happening very quickly. Now, uh, this is going to be a little different because um, I've been, had a hard time streaming. So generally, if you want to follow me, you can follow me at twitch.tv slash Faces No Ideas. But until I'm back doing that, you can follow me on Twitter at Faces Ideas. Okay, okay. They, um, they still get so, the, they'll still get the message, and, uh, but, just not, but just not the good looks and personality quite to the same level. That's it. Yeah, I, you know, I can, it's, it's a little bit, there'll be way more spelling errors, and um, <laughs> it won't be in as depth as everything. But other than that, yeah, it's the same. Um, so we have three, three bills that passed. Yeah. We have, and then we have all of the... The uh, the criminal stuff. So let's go to the bills very quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, the first bill that passed is, I believe, the PAC Act just got signed yesterday or believe, this morning. That's right. It was yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Um, we also got the CHIPS bill, which, to be fair, was not a great bill. There were some good things in it, but it could have been way better. Yeah. One of the underrated aspects in it is there is $65 billion in climate money in it. Yeah. Yeah. Then we get the Infrastructure Reduction Act, which um, thankfully, thankfully, Kirsten Cinema was able to make the change that will help only the wealthiest hedge fund managers and literally nobody else 
to the point where if you fund it, if you took out the thing, if you put the thing back in that she could, that she removed, there are states where that money could fund Social Security for 900 years. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. If the money that will be over the life of this bill, if the money that Kirsten Cinema made sure hedge fund managers were getting excessive money, they were getting. If if you had if you were to just take that money, set it aside, and add it all up, I guess over the life of this bill, you would be funding all of how much? Say that again. No, no, no. It's it's. Uh, I was watching a reporter was talking about this. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't remember what state it was. I want to say it was somewhere like Minnesota or something. It could fund Social Security payouts for the next 900 years. Good Lord. I mean, and, and we, we are in a situation here where if, if she were a Republican, and she may as well be for, 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 for the way we have to deal with her, and, and of course, Manchin, the same situation, but they're getting, it's, there's no secret here that they're getting their money from corporate interests that essentially don't want anything to happen to the hedge fund, uh, let's call it a carve-out, uh, if it was a Republican, we'd be screaming even bigger bloody murder. What we have to do, though, is deal with this as a reality that there is no Republican Party. There is a opposition block that will block everything and anything, pretty much. There have been a couple of exceptions to that in recent history. And and Kirsten Sinema is and, and, and Joe Manchin are as close as what we have to a Republican Party. But when you have a 50-50 Senate... Every senator, as Joe Biden himself has said, is for all intents and purposes the equivalent of the president of the United States. And that's what we're dealing with here. Yeah. I mean, look, it's good this bill passed. It's better that they passed something that they didn't pass anything. And this is a good, it's, it's not everything that we wanted. It's like a tenth of the size of Build Back Better. Yeah. But yeah. it's better than nothing. It's, it's going to, to start the ball rolling in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And also, it's, you know, it's another thing. Uh, if I'm the, the way that they're going to this, they should absolutely because one of the things that was killed in this bill was a fifteen a thirty five dollar cap on insulin. Can you imagine that across the country? I mean, we're going to get that. We're going to get that probably uh, through Medicare's capacity now to negotiate with uh, the pharma uh, giants. But that's only if you're on Medicare. For Medicare, Not that's it. Yeah. Likely to, yeah. Yeah. It's likely to increase. Yeah. 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 It's uh, it's criminal. But that's the, but right. And, and but I so but, the, and if I may make I'm just one more point on that. And, and this is important. I, and I'm not a lot of people are not picking up on this. A lot of people are saying that the reason that this happened was, well, the, the, somehow the Republicans were able to maneuver this. It wasn't a Republican maneuver that caused this. And if I'm taking taking this information from you, forgive me. I just want to make sure it gets out there. The Senate parliamentarian made the point that this particular piece of the legislation, the cap on all insulin, was outside the standard realm of what he deemed to be a finance bill. And that would have been permissibly and was permissibly done under reconciliation. In other words, the reconciliation process that was used for this bill was not something like a Mitch McConnell, well, we're going to reconcile the thing just because it's the only way we'll get it done. No, this was permissible under Senate regulations and the parliamentarian blessed it. What the parliamentarian did not bless 
was the $35 cap. So they needed 60 senators to vote on that. And that's where the Republicans basically, that's where their backs got up, and that's how this was screwed. Not because the Democrats somehow did something uh, wrong or foolish. What they did was they played by the rules. I'm sorry, Dave, if I if I if I busted up your your line no, of reasoning no, no, on that. No, no, that's a yeah. good explanation because there's there's points to this that I'm going to build off of. Yeah. One of it is that vote got 57 votes. Yeah, they still managed to get seven seven uh, seven Republican senators. So this is what they should do because this is they've clearly seen that putting absolute pressure on no on uh, no brainer bills. Yeah. Kills the Republicans and then gets it passed, and then they still have the backlash against it, like you just did with the PAC Act. Yeah. The response to this should be you put a bill on the floor for, to cap insulin prices at $35, and you make them kill it. Yeah. Well, they, ju they just did it on one level. Now now let's make it a separate bill and yeah, put it out there. Yeah. It, it, the, the way they killed it, they can say, oh, you know, the parliamentarians said, get it. First of all, fire the parliamentary. As soon as there's 51 senators, Democratic senators, you've replaced the parliamentary. Fuck this parliamentary. Well, let's leave that as a discussion for another day. There's No, there... no it's the parliamentarian is like, this is this, this parliamentarian is a clown. They, they're killing too many of the things that the American people want. That it's the only way to get there without killing the filibuster. You could very easily do this. The Republicans have done in the past so they can get their tax cuts. We can do it so we can get through uh, immigration reform and um, and uh, uh, the cap on insulin. Both things that they've taken out for whatever reason. If people paid attention to the parliamentarian, if everybody paid attention to the parliamentary and worked by those rules, things would work a certain way and it'd probably work better. The reality is a lot of people don't bother and the people who don't bother have by and large, in fact grossly uh, uh, the, the vast majority of times in recent years, it's been the Republicans ignoring the parliamentary. The parliamentarian does not have the last Last word. You can vote. You can overrule the head of the Senate. Schumer could overrule the parliamentarian if he wanted to, but he played by the rules. Let's just leave it at that. So there is a way past this, but Schumer chose not to go past it for what it's worth. Right. And so then let's move on to the uh, the more interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, it has turned out that America is now a third world country like Israel and like uh, South Korea and a couple of other countries in recent years that have uh, decided to hold their past uh, their past leaders uh, criminally liable for the crimes that they have done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, how did this happen? Well, there's two separate things going up. Well, actually, that's not true. There's a, there's a, first off, Donald Trump, before he became president, historically criminal. Yeah. After becoming president, still historically criminal, did more crimes in the White House, continues to do crimes daily. But now, never, but never, uh, never brought to task uh, in a criminal court. Never, never taken to task with a criminal indictment. He's never, that's never happened yet. Yet. Right. I said, yeah, yeah. So two separate things kind of happened simultaneously. Let's talk about the, the less, uh, the, the one with less nuance is the Rick Perry part. Yeah. So Rick Perry got his phone seized by the FBI, and they're like, oh, this is because of the, the Trump thing. Yeah. No. The, the FBI who so seized Rick Perry's phone was the invest, uh, was um, uh, the internal investigations. Yeah. It was the IG's office that took it. Yeah. The reason Rick Perry's phone was taken was more likely to do with Jeffrey Clark and John Eastman, because Rick Perry is one of the, one of the clowns who was agreeing with them on their batshit crazy 
um, uh, uh, idea that the that the vice president has the unilateral power to just say no to the results. Yeah, th thanks, thanks for, and by the way, thank you for clarifying that. A lot of people, you know, I, I've heard the Rick Terry story uh, floated around without a hell of a lot of background to it, and that's the deal. That's what's been going on here. That, so that's, it is possible that th this also has to do with January 6th stuff because he is, you know, he was one of the clowns for that. Yeah, um, yeah. Now, the other thing, the thing is that is, as conservatives, Arguing directly to defund the FBI just entirely, which, look, probably is a thing that should happen since the FBI has unilateral ability and definitely needs more oversight, um, is that the FBI agents went into Mar-a-Lago and they had a search warrant and they gathered some stuff. Now, yeah. to be clear, there's a lot of this we don't know. We're not entirely sure what was taken. We're not sure what was on the warrant. We don't know. Most of the reporting, unfortunately, is just re regurgitating what Trump is saying. That's and right. What Trump is saying. You know, you know who does know what was taken, who knows exactly what was taken? Trump. Trump does. Trump does, yeah. He has the warrant. Yeah. And here's the other thing that should be mentioned. When they're talking about cooperation, there's a people use the word cooperation and compliance interchangeably. They are not the same. No, they are not. <laughs> Just because you are complying with the subpoena does not mean you're cooperating. Steve Bannon was cooperating with January 6th before his trial in the same way that Ali Alexander was cooperating with the FBI before his, uh, before whatever's going on with him. I don't know if he's in trial or is that. He was, well, he was, he was complying with them, not cooperating. Or is it the other way around? Which way are you saying it? I'm saying he was complying, not cooperating. Right, right. He was complying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. were they're cooperating. Yeah. Those are not the same thing. No, not at all. And that's that's a difference that's worth mentioning. Now, what do we know? It appears we do we know this from I believe it was March that the story broke that Donald Trump has took 15 boxes worth of um, classified documents from the White House to Marlon. Yeah. Now. During his presidency, there was a skiff put in, which is like a super secure um, area for these type of documents. Right. Now, it is not clear whether or not that remains there or they removed it or what happened. But we do know that they had it in basically a basement and they had to put a second lock on because they, they came to this. this. The other information we've gotten that appeared that, I, that in my understanding is when they went in, there was another 12 additional boxes yeah. of information yeah. that they took out. Yeah. So now we're looking at a total of 30 boxes of information. Now, yep. if these 12 boxes are different than the 15 ones, they're not cooperating with the FBI. They're complying because what they said was we only have these 15. That's right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, from what I've heard, well, well much, much of the... Uh, of course, what the Republicans are attempting to make hay out of here is never once mention the fact that there was classified material there. It's all about witch hunt, witch hunt, witch hunt. How dare you do this to a former president of the United States? Bitching, moaning, screaming, jumping up and down, setting their hair on fire. 
Judge Reinhardt, who was a Trump appointee, who was the one who signed off on the warrant, the federal judge who signed off on that, made a, and this is what I have to figure out, maybe you know this, because I'm not sure about this, was it a stipulation or was it a request made to the National Archives, who basically is the is the group that's working through the FBI to get this these 12 or who got these 12 boxes the request or the stipulation which one is it was that by August is it the 15th Monday the 15th I think that warrant is supposed to be opened. In other words, we would we would get the public would get uh, the information that was in the warrant. That's what Judge Reinhardt said. Now, whether or not that would mean there would be a literal reading available someplace of the warrant is unknown. I would doubt if there would, would be because much of what is in the warrant probably refers to classified information. So it's going to be very curious to see what is actually, if anything, put out there this coming Monday. I, and again, I, and, and I, I, I did not differentiated. I didn't hear or understand whether it was a request or a demand made by the judge that the FBI, on behalf of the Department of, of uh, uh, you know, on behalf of who they were working for here, essentially has to put this information out. Have you heard anything more about this? Honestly, that I haven't been able to follow it. Yeah, um, yeah. The, uh, it's going to be cured, but on, on Monday, also, something will be, be coming out, yeah. And another important thing in this is, is, like, what exactly they search? Is it just being searched under the, um, the, 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 the Archives Act, or is it also being searched under the Espionage Act for potentially trading secrets? Which good, would be, damn, like damn good question. Statute. Damn good question, and only the warrant would be able to to uh, to give you some sense of the legal basis for the scope. Obviously, the warrant is going to include all of the legal information necessary for the judge to consider before uh, Reinhardt would have signed off on this. The basis in law and the basis in scope would be we we need to pick this up in compliance with the Espionage Act. No, we no we need this in compliance simply with because it's blah 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 with the with the uh, records keeping. At, you know, you'll get that in the warrant if we can get the warrant. But you know as well as I do, and I think this is a point I, I'm sure you'll want to make about what the nature or what the responsibility traditionally of the FBI or the Justice Department or of any judge signing off on this. What is the standard procedure relative to letting information out, even after the fact? Right. And then the other thing that we need to talk about is the response to this from the right. Oh, yeah, of course, uh, of course, of course, yeah. And so it's, first off, it's just craziness. Because they're not even entertaining the fact that, hey, maybe he did something illegal. No, they, no, uh, no, no, one's, no one is touching the basis for the, the, the raid, for the basis for, for going on premises. No, one, no one's going near it. They won't, they won't touch it. Just jump up and down, yell, scream. You know, uh, the, the old thing is, you know, when uh, the, the, the old uh, in the federal courts, when the, 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 the attorney who really has a bad case, when, when, the, when the law's not on your side, you pound the table for the, for the facts. When the facts aren't on your side, you pound the table for, uh, you know, for the, for the law and you'd say that's, when you have neither the law nor the facts, you pound the police. 
And that's what this is about. You basically blame the people who basically uh, are, are doing their job because you don't have any law or any facts in your favor. And of course, the Republican base, that's all they're playing to. They're not playing to you or me or the rest of the country. They're basically counting on the ignorance, the perpetual ignorance of these people to reach in their pocket. And if I'm not mistaken, they've, they've already monetized this whole thing. And they're, they're doing fundraising on the whole damn thing, which is... Well, wait, hold on, because it's not just the... It's not just the conservative politicians. It's also their echo chambers. So yeah, yeah. Uh, on Twitter, there's two separate ones I'm going to point out to. So Stephen Crowder did a tweet uh, whenever this happened. This was Tuesday, I think. He yeah. did a tweet. He goes, yeah. uh, sleep well tonight because tomorrow is war. Now, first off, they already today, there was a person who drove by and attacked an FBI outpost. Um, in, let me hold on. I, I got to double check where that is. Wow. Uh, I, I hadn't heard uh, about this. Yeah, no, this just happened. Um, let me give me one second. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'll, I'll play some music if we have to in between. No, I'll take another. Uh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You, that people know that this is uh, recorded live. That's for sure. And, you, and you're and you're in a car, by the way. This we did. We, yeah. we mixed so things up a little bit today. Back yeah. on the FBI building in Cincinnati, Interstate uh, 171 North is shut down after suspect drove toward uh, Ohio. Say and he what did by, he say again? He what happened? This is all the reporting that I've been able to see so far is that there was some type of attack on an FBI building in Cincinnati. What does because attack mean? Did someone fire a gun? Did they? Did they? Uh, did someone try to break something down? What? What is an attack? It says gun wielding suspect makes threats at FBI building in Cincinnati. Okay, wielding, but gun wielding and threats. So it sounds like some loony. I mean, it could be anything from somebody uh, shooting bullets in the air to standing. Shots were fired in the area. Yeah, yeah. Subject at, arm, at approximately 9 a.m. this morning, an armed subject attempted to breach the visitor screening facility at FBI Cincinnati. Um, and yeah. That's, that appears to be all that's going on right now because yeah. I think it's still unfolding. But the point of this is, is when they're saying things like this, they're like, oh, this is war. This is, uh, this is going, this is, you know, they're coming after. First off, my favorite thing is if they can do this to a president, they can do this to you. You bet. Because the president is not above the law. Yeah. It's, it's the other way around. If they could do this to you, they should do it to a president. That That's the important part over here. And this is the important thing that, that there there is a little bit of ray of hope for this, is they're a little bit smarter now. They're the followers of this. They saw what happened last time. They just blindly did what they were told right. and got into trouble for it. Yeah. They saw it. We, we know who, who in upper management of the January 6th attack has paid any price for what happened? Nobody. Uh, there has been an indictment of the head of the Oath Keepers. Uh, yeah, yeah, but they were in, the, I'm talking about like politicians. Oh, no, 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 no one, no one yet. Bannon is about to receive a sentence of some sort, uh, but that was on the issue of of refusing to comply to with the, with Congress. yeah, so that, that he will be the first 
person at at any kind of an interior level with the White House, uh, even though he wasn't really technically anything except a buddy of Donald's, uh, he'll be the first one to basically most probably do some jail time. Uh, and that'll that'll kind of break the mold, and the and the press will go wild, and and the right wing and the you know will go wild and everything with that as well. Right. So that's the ray of hope there. Obviously, it's not huge because they're already threatening the judge, but you know that's how it is. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing is they're 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 clowns. Like like a lot of the people bitching about this are clowns. It's I don't know if you the guy on, who was Dilbert, the guy who drew, drew the Dilbert talk. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Saying, I'll give my government 48 hours to, to give us some information. And then he put out a tweet today saying, all right, I waited 48 hours. I didn't get anything. Phase two starts. It's like, okay, what's phase two? Also, what are you going to do? Like, who are you? You're the guy who wrote Gilbert and is kind of having a mental breakdown online. But that's not the point. Like, that's that's what it seems to be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is the, the thing. And also, one real quick point, because we didn't get to this. Um, this isn't like totally relevant to this, but fucking CPAC happened, and Victor Orban was a keynote speaker to this. Can you imagine okay. that? Can you imagine that? That was oh, my god! <laughs> All right, well, look, these people but, have no shame. I mean, they, they and like and, there is first off, there is no equivalency to CPAC on the left. Second, there's I was trying to think about this. I was talking to somebody about this. There's no equivalency to a left-leaning leader that would be as outrageous as Viktor Orban. Like, you can say, oh, well, Xi Jinping, but he's a right-wing leader. Like, they call themselves a communist party, but he's an authoritarian. Yeah. Like, you, like there is no left-wing... Like, who would they get mad about that would be the equivalent of uh, Viktor Orban? Like, Marx's ghost? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Um... Again, you, you, I think, I think uh, you, I, and all of our listeners know that basically the only audience for this is the base. And the idea is to get them as aroused and riled up as humanly possible because I think there's true concern within Republican ranks as we approach the midterm that there have been so many missteps, so, so many pure screw-ups, uh, and, and so many if not missed, missed opportunities and, and shooting oneself in the foot situations that the Republicans have been going through. They're so far on the wrong side of all of this legislation that's coming out. The, the economy seems to be lightening. Gas prices seem to be dropping. There was a report yesterday that the, that the cost of food generally and its factor within the inflation process is, even, is easing. The Dow is back approaching the 34,000 mark again rather quickly. Um, all of these things are combining to scare the living shit out of the Republicans right now, and they're looking for everything and anything they can do. And since they have no um, agenda, since they have no platform, since all they have is an is a blood-curdling desire for power and a need to worship Donald, they're doing the, exactly what you would expect, rabble-rousing at the worst possible level, and they're going to pay a price for it. Hopefully, the rest of us won't have to pay as much of a price. I don't know. We're going to have to see where that goes, David. David, I, I so appreciate you doing this. Has the car been moving the whole time, by the way? <laughs> no, I've been, in, I've been in a parking lot. Oh, 
<laughs> That's fortunate. Yeah, <laughs> That is incredibly fortunate, and I and I and I can't thank you enough for taking the time. And I know this has been a a very busy period for you, but that you still took the time to do this today. Uh, I am exceptionally grateful. Where will people be picking you up again, uh, other than here at Central Left Radio? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at uh, Faces Ideas, and they can find me at Twitch. Hopefully, sometime soon at uh, Twitch.tv/FreshFacesNewIdeas. Uh, you should just go follow it anyway so then you get the notifications when I come live again. Excellent, excellent. David, thank you so much. Um, wow, so much going on. Every time you think uh, you've heard it all, <laughs> you hear more. And as I've said and David and I have said so many times here, especially at this point in the week, that's why they play the games. But another thing that I get to say at this time of the week is, thank goodness, a little more jazz. Listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. The Merritt Garland Gambit, let's call it, forcing Donald to say, no, no, go ahead, show them the uh, the inventory of what was taken, is basically forcing Donald now to lie about what was in the actual documentation. He has to accuse a Southern District uh, federal judge of lying, and everybody's lying. Everyone but him, only the craziest can accept this.